Well, welcome to Grace, everybody. It's good to see you this weekend. Uh, some folks in the back are looking for seats still, so if you've got some near you, let them know. And uh, this is also a good opportunity for me to remind you about the extension, uh, which is uh, three miles away. Services start there in 28 minutes. You will be on time, and you won't have to fight in the Honda Odyssey minivan on your way over there. So all the above, uh, be sure that you always check that out. It's always the same conversation, same music, same service. Uh, the whole nine yards. The only difference is, is that I'm nine feet tall in high definition. You are welcome, right? So uh, be sure to check that out sometime. Uh, my name's Jeff. If I've never met you before, I would uh, I'd love to meet you and uh, say hi to you. Welcome everybody watching online also. Thanks for being with us. And I'm excited to get into uh, this, this Christmas season. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving or like I like to call it, Michigan loses weekend. So we praise God for that. <laughs> Saying, yeah. Six years in a row, 14 out of the last 15. I'm not saying you're, lose, you're losers, but look at the scoreboard. So anyways, uh, but, but I hope that you enjoyed all of that. And uh, I'm ex- as we move into the Christmas season, I'm excited about talking about uh, what Christmas is and how it plays out and uh, walking us through that together. What I want to do this weekend as we kind of move into things is I want to lay down a foundation uh, and, and it's off of this foundation. I think if we can get a hold of this foundation and receive, receive what God wants to teach us through it, I think it'll alter kind of how we approach the Christmas season for sure, but it actually can be a life-changing thing as well, kind of alter the way that we approach Christ. So I want to talk through what, what God was doing, what he did through Christmas, kind of the statement he was making, what he was putting on the table for us. I want to think through how we might receive that, how we would respond to it, because there's some different ways that we would, we would respond, so to say, to that information. And then, and then talk through, especially if you're a Christ follower, what you would do with it, kind of how you would take that and move out with it uh, this time of year, actually every time of year, but in particular this time of year. And then if you're not a Christ follower, what you would do with it and how you would respond to, uh, to this information that, that God has laid out for us, okay? So let's work this through a little bit, and let me, let me talk about this. We named this series, so this is Christmas, and we did that on purpose and, and with a lot of intentionality because when, when you hear that phrase, so this is Christmas, how you interact or how you receive that phrase is all based on the punctuation that you put at the end of the sentence, and if you, if you change the punctuation, it alters the way that you receive it or that you hear it, right? So some of us are like Christmas junkies. So, so when, when we hear, so this, this is Christmas, the punctuation we're going to put at the end of that sentence is an explanation point, right? I'm kind of that way a little bit. Like, I like Christmas, and I'm like, woohoo, I get stuff for free. Like, I love this time of year, right? So my, my Christmas list is out right away. Our family drew names. I immediately put on there a 72-inch flat screen, 4D. Like, so I just let you know, or coupons or cash to go toward it, anything like that. Like, so I, I like it. I like the change of pace. I like winter time. I like the tree, the whole nine yards, and I think it's fun. So when I hear this is Christmas, usually I'm going to hear that with an exclamation point, right? I'm going to think of that sentence that way. Now, there's other ways that you might think about it. For instance, uh, you might put a period at the end of the sentence. And when you look at that, you might be like, oh, this is Christmas. That's right. It's Christmas. So like yesterday when Heidi looked at me and she said, we should hang the Christmas trees outside the window. 
and I thought about getting the ladder and I thought about arguing with the kids. And I thought about how mad I would be and how much I would despise the Christmas wreaths by the time I was done with it. That was my response. Oh, that's right. This is Christmas. We have to decorate. That's going to take effort on my part. I'm really opposed to that effort. Right? I'm really uh, kind of a lazy person, so I don't want to do that at all, right? And so I, will, I would hear that sentence that way, okay? Now, for others of us, we, we might put a question mark at the end of it. So, so this is Christmas? Right? That, that's what you mean by that? that? That's what you expect or that's what you want? Or I didn't know that that was your intention or that was your desire? Or, or you, might even, <clears throat> you might even say that sarcastically, so this, this is Christmas. Huh? Christmas is everybody comes to our house and Uncle Bob drinks too much. Great, right? This is what it's supposed to be. This is, this is Christmas. I spend a fortune on whatever and you don't appreciate it, right? Th- so this is Christmas. So it all just depends on your punctuation. It depends on what you do with it and how you interact with it. And actually, the, the same thing is true spiritually, And when you start thinking about what God did and why he did it, how you receive that is directly connected to the punctuation that you put at the end of the sentence. So some of us would say, this is Christmas. I got good news that's of great joy for all the people. A savior has been born as Christ the Lord. And when I hear Christmas, I hear the the birth of my salvation. I hear a loving God reaching out for me. I, I hear the kind of the, the, the tangible plan of God for, for redeeming me and rescuing me from hell. And when I hear this is Christmas, I'm like all about that because I'm a, I'm, maybe I'm a little bit of a Bible junkie, right? And so I can do the math that the baby in the manger is the man on the cross. And I understand that God started and initiated that process uh, during that time. So there's times during the Christmas season, when I, when I hear, so this is Christmas, and it's all about explanation for me, and maybe for you too, I am grateful on the deepest of levels for what God has done for me. Now, you can change that, and you can just put a period at the end of it. So this is Christmas, right? And I've done that a lot in my life too. It's just, it's just the period. I, it, it's the weekend after Thanksgiving. I know what they're going to start talking about. This is Christmas. I bet you he'll bring up Isaiah 9 and Luke 2. Right? This is Christmas. You know, a child has been born. He's in a manger. There's a donkey with like a halo on it. Like, this is Christmas, right? And so it's factual. Or maybe, maybe you're not as used to it, and you're like, yeah, this is Christmas. So th- this is Christmas. That, that, that's, that, it's the Christian holiday. The, the one in December and the one in the spring, they get really hyped up about, right? So it, Christmas and Easter, and that's what it is, and it's just kind of the facts, and other people have other holidays, and they attach religious significance to it, and so this is Christmas. And it's the punctuation. It's not the explanation point. It's the period. And then as we, as we talk through this weekend all that God did and we start laying a foundation uh, of kind of the depth and the wonder that we're going to explore all month long through the Christmas season, uh, you might wind up with having a question mark at the end of it. Or you might look and say, this is Christmas? Wow, I, I, I didn't know that like, like that. Like I knew about baby Jesus because in our country it's kind of hard not to know that. And you kind of get that idea and, and the, the tree and the presence and all that kind of stuff. But this is what you're talking about. You're talking about our souls, talking about our salvation. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't realize that's what that was, right? This is Christmas. So it's all about the punctuation. And it's all about how we receive that statement and about 
us kind of understanding the depth of what God was, was doing, why he was doing it, what he's like in the process of doing that, and then how we receive it and how we interact with it, okay? So let me show you this a little bit. Grab your Bibles if you got them and go to Galatians chapter four. Galatians chapter four. And we're just gonna camp out in Galatians chapter four this weekend, kind of stay here the whole time. So if you got your Bibles, open them up. If you don't have a Bible, there's some there in the chairs, just page 812. And those Bibles in the chairs. And then all of this is on the app. So go search Grace Church 30 in the Apple Store and, uh, or the other place, whatever it is. I heard there's other technology. It doesn't matter. But in the Apple Store, it's Grace Church 30. And you can open the app up there. It'll be there as well, okay? Galatians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 4 and 5. And we're going ca- to camp here this week. And this is what it says. The Apostle Paul is writing on God's behalf. He says this. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship, right? So this is Christmas, right? This is Christmas. When when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption into sonship. Let's look at this a little bit and let's kind of, let, 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 let's work to get our heads around exactly what God was doing. So the Apostle Paul starts it with this, but when the set time had fully come, when the set time had fully come, this is a big deal that I, I want to take a minute and camp on, okay? So when you think about Christmas and you think about Christmas happening, was it this random act? What, what was it? Was it just like this cosmic event or, or is there a loving God who implemented a plan? Now, if you're a bit of a Bible junkie, what I'm about ready to say will make a lot of sense to you, okay? So you start, you start looking back into the first part of the Bible, the Old Testament, and you start to see this plan play out all the way back to the Garden of Eden as God starts to reestablish relationship with Adam and Eve after Genesis chapter three. And then you get into all these, we call them the covenants. So there's a covenant with Noah, there's a covenant with Moses, there's a covenant with David. And then after that, you get into the, the implementation of the law. And so the law was meant to help us recognize that we needed a savior. So the law on purpose points out our sin, but not to rub our face in it, but so that we'll know that we need to seek salvation. And then you get into the temple system and all the sacrifices where God creates this pathway for human beings to find their way back to God and to receive the forgiveness of their sin. And then then you go all the way over as human beings kind of interact with that and abuse it and walk away from it, forget about it. Now here come the prophets and it's Jeremiah and Hosea and Isaiah and all these guys come in. And God, from the beginning of time all the way up, is just pursuing, pursuing, pursuing humanity. And finally, as he's doing this, he has explained himself. He has shown himself. He's illustrated our need. He's illustrated his redemptive nature. He's even put in the Old Testament all these prophecies so that you can look ahead. And if you're kind of a Bible junkie of the ancient world, you can know that there's a promised Messiah and you can see what he's going to be like. And, And when he shows up, you'll be able to recognize him. And God put all that math in the Old Testament. And then as he pursues and as he loves and as he makes a way, there is a set time. 
There is a crescendo. There, there is a time that is set, and when it's fully developed, when the plan is laid out on purpose, with intention, from a loving God, Christmas happens. It's a powerful thing. The, the prophet Isaiah, as Isaiah chapter 9, was one of those guys who was prophesying, looking ahead and saying, you're going to watch for these things. And so he says this in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, 7. He said, what's going to happen is a child is going to be born. A son is going to be given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time and forever. And then I love this last sentence. He says this, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. There is a set time, and there is the eternal history of God in place, and it's a zealous God, the zeal of the Lord, the passion of God, the desire of God, the determination of God, the stubbornness of God, that he is going to reach out to humanity, and he is going to make a way of salvation, and it was all on purpose, and it does all knit together, and at just the right time, the zeal of the Lord crescendos... And Christmas happens. Isn't that fascinating? Not just some thing back there somewhere. Not, not just some like holiday that we kind of celebrate in the middle of December. But a loving, zealous God who looked at human beings, some of whom were looking for him. And they were Bible junkies, and they were, they were into the Old Testament, and they're looking for all the signs, and they knew those prophecies inside and out. Some of whom would completely resent his intrusion into their lives. The idea that the king of the Jews was going to be born, and it would dethrone the political powers and dethrone the spiritual powers, and some of whom resented it. Most of humanity, some was eager, some were anxious, most weren't even thinking about it. Most people don't think about what Christmas really is. Most people don't think about their souls. Most people, we don't think about eternity. What do you think is going to happen after you die? I haven't even thought about dying. I mean, once in a while, we'll go to a funeral. It might be on my mind a little bit. Heaven is a hope that I have because I, my, I hope that my loved one is safe when they pass from this life. But the average person on the average day is not thinking that way. Some of us are. We're, we're Bible junkies, man. We're thinking about this stuff all the time. Some people are obsessed on the other end of it. They're trying to prove that there is no God because they have a fear that there is one. But most people don't live that way. We're just in the rat race, right? We're just trying to get our exams done, trying to get that paper done trying to think about grad school, trying to get the shopping list finished, trying to, you know, do the project at work, whatever it is. That's the normal state of humanity. And then Christmas kind of shows up in there. And we don't always receive it with an explanation point or see it as a loving God, a zealous God, a passionate God, reaching out and making a way to connect with his creation. But that's what was happening. On purpose, with design, with a plan, God was reaching out ultimately 
for you and for me. Now, what was the plan then? What was going to happen? Well, the Bible goes on, and the Bible says, this is the Christmas plan. This is what I'm going to do. This is Galatians 4 again. God sent his son, born of a woman. That's the plan. God sent his son, born of a woman. God sent his son, born of a virgin. Isaiah says that, that, that what's going to happen is that a child is going to be born, a son is going to be given, right? So God sent his son, born of a woman. Why is that a big deal? Why is it a big deal that, that the son of God was born into the human experience? Now think about this. You have a design plan that has a set time of execution. It's all on purpose. You have a zealous God who wants you to know that he loves you and cares for you and is willing to reach into your sin and rescue you. All of this is happening, and in the middle of all this plan, as God is laying it out, project managing it, back off schedule, the whole nine yards, right? As God is playing it out, he comes up with this idea. Hey, when my son shows up on the planet, instead of walking around in kind of his fully God form, Instead of walking around and looking glorious and, and angelic and all this kind of things, you know what we're going to do? We're going to have him birthed like a normal human being is birthed. We're going to have him have skin on. Jesus, fully God, fully human, big theological point we'll talk about another time. But we're going to have him come down into the human experience. Why? So that he will make sense to the people around him. So that when I look at Jesus, he makes sense to me. As a human being, when I think about God, God is a mystery to me. How can you have always been and how will you always be? How can you be in control of things but bad things happen? How can you know everything but you didn't intervene? When I think about God in a big concept, he's usually mysterious to me. So most of the time when we think about God, we think about Jesus and his humanity. That's how we would understand God's love for us. A human being being born and never sinning. Man, if a human being could do that, he must not be a normal human being. A human being that would lay down his life on purpose and then, what's really nuts, take it up again by his own power. That's not a normal human being. If a human being is like that, only God could do that. That human being must be God. A human being that's tempted in every way that we're tempted. A human being that, that experienced joy, that loved a good party, a good wedding reception, but also received and experienced sadness and grief when his friend Lazarus died. That human being, being God, causes God to make sense to me. Big deal. And all part of a plan. Set time. Zealous God, passionate God. Let's do it this way. That way, my creation will know in the clearest terms possible, who their Savior is and what he's like and what he might want from them. I'm going to send my son. And I'm going to send my son so that he can provide salvation and he could be understood and that salvation could be understood and received. Jesus himself said it this way. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's really good news, right? That's good news of great joy for all the people everywhere, that God showed up and he showed up to give. He self-initiated. He sacrificed for people who were undeserving and weren't asking anyways. Some people were looking for him. Some people hated his guts. Most people were just kind of minding their own business, 
But while we were still sinners, Christ came. He did this for us to love us. And this is huge. Yeah, I love verse 17. It's my favorite verse, I think, of the whole Bible. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Now, why would God put that right there? Why is that a big point? Because for most of us, when we think of God, we think about God in terms of somebody that we're afraid of or that we dread. Not the people looking for God because they understand his heart and mind. And the people who are against God, they kind of hate his guts anyways. But for everybody else in the middle, when we think about God, we don't think of him as a loving God, a purposeful God, a zealous God who will give his son. We think of him through the terms and the grid of religion. So God must have sent his son to, to, to point out what's wrong with me and to rub my face in it. Great. Now there's this perfect human being that's God. I guess I have to live that way. God must have sent his son to, to put restrictions on my life. Most of us think of God that way. Well, because I, if I become a Christian, I can't smoke, drink, or chew, or date girls who do, or cheer for Michigan anymore. My life has to change, right? If I be, that's how we would think of God. God must have sent his son to, to start uh, one of the world's great religions. So great, now that I'm a Christ follower, I guess I have to go to church all the time. And if I don't go to church, God's going to be upset with me. Isn't it fascinating that when God says, I sent my son born of a woman, he came to give life and give salvation if we believe in him, but not to condemn. God would look and say, guys, I don't, I don't need to condemn you. It's not that you might go to hell one day. It's that you're on your way there now. I don't, I don't need to rub your nose in that. I came because I love you. I came because I plan to rescue you. I'm a zealous God. Jesus was born so he makes sense to you. When he lays his life down on the cross and suffers in the process, it will register with you. This is a self-initiated, sacrificial gift. It's not the final judgment of humanity. I'm not out to get you. I'm out to love you. And I did all of that on purpose. And how I receive that and how I understand that changes my punctuation, doesn't it? That God would and could and did so that's Christmas. I love what he says next in Galatians. He goes on, he says this, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Isn't that a funny thing to say? That we might receive adoption into sonship. Why, why would God say that? The Bible teaches us this. The Bible says that before we are followers of Jesus Christ, we are enemies of God in our heart. Some people are very vocal enemies of God. There is no God. They're usually selling, suing somebody to get the nativity off the front line, right? They are vocal enemies of God. We are opposed to God. Many people are, are kind of just disconnected and don't concern. They, they would look at you and say, you know what? If you want to believe in God, you believe in God. If it's a part of a healthy lifestyle for you, then go ahead and achieve your balance of spirituality. And if you want to go to church and you want to put your money into that stuff and you want to restrict your life, you go ahead and do that. It's not for me. We're kind of like passive about it, aggressive about it. And then most people don't think anything about God. Most people don't think about their soul all day. 
Most, most people don't, 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 aren't thinking about their eternal situation. Most people aren't thinking about the forgiveness of their sin. Most people are just kind of living their life doing their thing, right? Now, this is what the Bible would say. If I'm vehemently opposed to God, if I'm kind of callously just apathetic toward God, or if God is never on my mind, all three of those places, that full spectrum, all of them, God would look and say, are enemies of God. It's all the same thing, just expressed differently. They're enemies of God. We're enemies of God because we have rejected the gift of God, Jesus, born of a woman, our Christmas gift. So think about it this way. If you, if you said, hey, Jeff, I heard you. I bought you a 72-inch flat string 4D television, right, for your basement. I bought it for you. I want to give you this gift. And I took that gift and I just threw it on the ground, right? And I just smashed it. And I said, I don't want your stinking television. I wanted a 90-inch. How dare you? I have rejected your gift. Now, I might not be that obnoxious about it. If I came over here and you said, hey, Jeff, I got you your 72-inch flat screen 4D television. And I looked at you and I viewed the gift suspiciously. What are you trying to do? Get on the inside with me? Well, you want to hang out with my family now all the time? Now every time you call, I have to answer the phone because you gave me a present? And I rejected your gift. Whether I was that obnoxious about it or this obnoxious about it, I still have rejected what you offered me. Or let's say that you gave me my 72-inch flat screen 4D television, and I said, oh, that's really nice that you did that. And I took that gift, and I just put it in the closet. Never got it out of the box, just in there collecting dust. Five years later, it's an antique, doesn't even work with your cable system anymore, right? Every one of these, from this side of the spectrum to this side of the spectrum, is actually all the same thing. It's me rejecting what you have offered me. I was just obnoxious over here. I was just passive at this end, but it's all the same thing. An enemy of God is anybody anywhere on that spectrum. We can be really obnoxious about it, or we can just kind of be caught up in life and ignore it, but we're all looking and saying, you know what, I just don't want what you have to offer me. I, you know, I, I appreciate that there's this big plan that you executed that, that's really, really nice that you, you're a zealous God, you reach out for me, that's really great. If you want to believe Jesus was born of a virgin, you go ahead and believe it. Now, God looks at people like that. People who are at one end of the spectrum or another, really, really obnoxious people. I can't stand God, shouldn't have a nativity on anything. People who are just kind of passive aggressive, you believe what you want to believe, whatever's good for you. People who are kind of polite about it, I'm just going to kind of ignore it and go on with my life. And God looks at all those people who are all enemies of God, who have all rejected the gift of salvation. And he looks at them and he says, listen, let me tell you what I'm willing to do for you. I'm willing to put all my chips on the table. I'm willing to take all the truth that I've taught and illustrated through the Old Testament, everything that the prophets said, all the things that the covenants meant, all the law and all the religious systems that I built in for you to find me. I'll take all of that and I will embody them in my son, Jesus Christ. 
I'm going to look at you who are rejecting me, and I'm going to see you at your deepest needs. Not only, here's the deal, not only am I willing to provide you salvation through my son Jesus and bail you out of hell, but beyond that, I'm willing to give you a wonderful counselor because I see that you need salvation and you need help in life. So I'm willing to give you a wonderful counselor. Not only that, I see the deepest, darkest, most painful parts of your heart. Parts of your heart that are tied to rejection and abandonment. You know what I'm gonna give you? I'm gonna give you something you never had. I'm gonna give you an everlasting father. Whether your father just has human frailties or he walked out on you when he was five, I'm willing to move in and heal that part of your heart. You know what else I'm willing to do? I'm willing to give you hope Hope for today and hope for eternity. I'm willing to provide with you a a mighty God that you can understand. A a God that illustrates how he's willing to love us by laying his life down and then illustrates his deity by raising himself up again from the dead. And you know what? I'll go a step further. You know how you're an enemy of God and you've been at war with God aggressively or passively your whole life? You know how you lack peace with God and each other because Uncle Bob's coming over for Christmas? I'm going to give you a prince of peace. Not only am I going to love you, I'm going to receive you into adoption. I'm not just going to love you. I love the way 1 John says it. I'm going to lavish my love upon you. I'm going to give you every ounce of love that I can give you to the point that you who are on my enemies, aggressively or passively, I'm not just going to like bail you out of hell, help you out a little bit, give you your best life now. I'm not going to improve your thinking. What I'm going to do is I'm going to be willing to adopt you into my family. I will literally give you everything that my family has to offer you. Merry Christmas. And when God moved, he he moved all in. He executed a plan that is a thorough plan on purpose. And he was zealous to do it. Not just kind of stuck dealing with humanity. Zealous, passionate, the, the apple of his eye, he poured himself out on it. He did it in a way that so craftfully and mindfully. He made it make sense. You know what? Let's do this. Let's, let's do this as a God-man. That'll, that'll help a ton for the mysteries of God to make sense because we see this love played out in human form, Jesus Christ. And let, let's just not get him through today. And let's just not get him out of hell Let's go to the deepest level of their souls and love and help and give gifts. So that's Christmas. And that's God's passion. And what we do with that changes everything. For some of us, we might look at that and say, aha! In fact, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, somewhere along the way, you you have done the math on that. And you have received the gift of salvation. And Christmas is a mind-boggling experience. 
It's life-changing. It has altered your eternity. And you are the explanation point, see? This is Christmas. The depth of what God has done. Now, you can take all of that and you can put a period at the end of it. So that's Christmas. I mean, you know, I, t- I told you. He brought up Isaiah 9. I knew it. And you put a period at the end of it. You can put a period at the end of it and not believe in Christ. So you can say, yeah, that, that's, that, that's pretty much what the Christians will say. I pretty much knew that's where they were going to go. So nailed it. You know, you filled in the blanks on the app ahead of time. Good for you. You know, you, you nailed it. You can put a period at the end of it as a Christ follower. And it's Christmas. Here we go. Yeah, back in the Christmas grind. Kind of dread it. I'd be careful of that. I want to be careful of that because I can get that way. You think of new things to teach every Christmas. It's hard. <laughs> right? So I get that way too. And I'm like, oh, it's Christmas. I almost dread it a little bit. And I want to I pull back on my heart because I get numb to it. If you, if you have ever fought in combat, for our country, or you have ever lost a loved one in combat as they have fought for our country, Memorial Day and Veterans Day is not a day off and time for a picnic for you. It's a, t- it's a sobering time, a painful time, a time of sacrifice, a time, there, there's a reason why, why a veteran or a Gold Star family would look at the flag and they, they would look at those days very, very differently than the rest of us who never really had a ton of skin in the game. If you gave your only son on purpose, knowing full well that the baby in the manger would become the man on the cross, knowing that's the whole plan, and you took everything you had and you went all in with it and you lavished your love, Christmas is not the same. Christmas to the Father would have a very different meaning. Christmas to the Son would have a very different meaning. So even as a Christ follower, I, I, am all, I actually believe God likes us to enjoy because the Bible says every good and perfect thing comes from Him. So I think the party and the gift giving and... and I'm even fine with Rudolph and his birth defect nose and, and, and the, playing the cartoon game with Santa and stuff like that. I'm fine with all that. We do all of that. But man, there's a point in my life where I want to pull back and remember that Memorial Day means different things to different people. It's not just a day to barbecue. See? I, I want to honor what was done by making it sacred. Probably not the whole time, but I don't want to just pass. See how it works? I want to be the explanation point. I want to be sure that that's a part of what I'm doing, right? This is Christmas. And then for some of us, we might look and say, well, my punctuation is a question mark. I, I didn't really know that Christmas was about my soul, and God fighting for my soul. I mean, I thought it, I thought it more in religious context. Like, you, you know, it's, it's the Christian, like I self-identify as a Christian. Like I pick Christian over other things. And I didn't know 
the depth of what you're talking about, which is great. Now you do, see? Because it's all about the punctuation and how I receive what God did, how I process it, how I respond to it determines not how we, not the celebration of Christmas per se, but actually the message and the truth and the effort, the zeal that God placed into sending his son. Now, if you're a Christ follower, you would respond to this one way. And if you're not a Christ follower yet, you would respond to this conversation a different way. So let me talk to those of us who are Christ followers first, right? If, if you're a Christ follower and you think about this is Christmas and you look and say, I'm to be the explanation point, I wanna do that, then I would say this to you. The Christ follower actually has a Christmas mission that we're supposed to be on. So this is what happened. When God executed that whole plan in the fullness of time Jesus was born, Jesus lived, he, he, he lived and came to those under the law to redeem those under the law. And then what happened is after he laid his life down and took it up by his own power again, uh, a little bit later, Jesus started the church. So the church isn't something that like pastors made up. The church is something that Jesus created, comes right out of the Bible. That's a lot of why we do what we do the way that we do it, okay? So when Jesus started the church, what he did was this. He took the Christmas message and he entrusted it to his followers that he calls the church. So the Christmas message shifted, so to say, away from the prophets, away from the law, away from just the pages of scripture. And he would say, now that word lives in me. The Christmas message becomes me. I become the explanation point. And wherever as a Christ follower I go, I am the explanation point, whatever room I run into. So when I go into the dorm room or I go into the fraternity or I go to work or I go home or I go to my family room or just fill in your blank, wherever I go as a Christ follower, I am the explanation point. And my Christmas mission is to proclaim the good news of the gospel, to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ as if he himself were there making his appeal through me, to be salt, to be light during the Christmas season. This is what I am. I wanna be the explanation point. God worked in such a wonderful way that being, being raised in a Christian country makes it super easy for, because for about one month a year, every year, everybody's talking about Jesus. You go to the mall and you hear about Rudolph, you hear about Santa, and you hear about grandma getting run over and no charges were ever pressed and we don't know quite who killed her and you hear all that and the very next thing you hear is silent night, holy night, away in a manger, oh come let us adore him. And so in our culture, it's a blessing that pretty much everybody in one way or another is talking about Jesus. And as a Christ follower who received the Christmas message with the explanation point, I bring that explanation point into those surroundings. And I'm now the one who helps to clarify other people's punctuation when they receive it with a period or they receive it with a question mark, I want to help them with gentleness and respect move their punctuation from question mark or period over to exclamation point. 
I want you to know the depth of what Christ did for you. I want you to know the wonder of what Christmas is. And I want to do that on purpose. The, the Bible would say this, now as the church is a follower of Christ, I am the one who proclaims the good news of great joy, which is for all the people that today in the city of David, a savior has been born. That's what I do now. I'm the explanation point. And it's, it's, it's great to do the exchange. And we do all that. Heidi and I and our friends and family, we do all that. We have a blast with it. But, but I want to approach that with a mission, not just as a part of the mix. And as we have those conversations, as we enter into those arenas, if there's a question mark, if there's a period, I want to affect that punctuation, right? Now, how would I do that? Here's what I would encourage you to do. I would, I would encourage you to ask three questions. Three questions that go on your Christmas mission, right? Here's the first one. Who? Who has punctuation that's not an explanation point yet? Right, who? And start praying, start asking God. Is there a friend, is there somebody? They're really into the season. Maybe they have questions about God or they're working on their spirituality as a form of, of a, whole, uh, a holistic lifestyle. Is there a who? Is, is it our cousin? Is it my roommate? Is it, just fill in your blank. I don't know. But start to ask God, who? Whose punctuation would you want me to affect? And, and ask God for a, a name or a face, not just a big people group. Who do you want me to affect, God? I want to be good. I want to bring the good news of great joy to... Now, the second question I would ask is this. How? So let's actually, God had a plan, purposeful plan that his zeal accomplished. How are we going to have a plan that our zeal is going to accomplish? How do we do it? Let me give you a for instance. Some of you are, are uh, younger and you have young kids at home, and you are the first generation of Christ followers in your whole family. So grandma and grandpa aren't, it's just you. And you have all these Christmas traditions, and, and you have your own children, and now you have become an explanation point. You move from a question mark to a period, now you're an explanation point. You, as a family, should look and say, how do we raise our kids to view Christmas with an explanation point? What traditions might we implement? We're going to do the Advent calendar. We're going to make the, the Christmas cookies. We're going to learn the, the story of the candy cane maker. We're going we're to read the nativity story, Luke 2, before we open presents. We're going to fill in your blank. There's a thousand things. But strategically look and say, we want to raise our kids at an exclamation point home. How are we going to accomplish that? Or maybe the who isn't right inside your family. Maybe the who is your neighbor. I don't know. How are we going to affect their punctuation? Are we going to walk across the street, knock on the door, and just admit that we've lived next to each other for all these years and never really hung out and invite them over? Is that what we're going to do? Is it going to, how am I going to do that in the dorm? How am I, just start figuring it out. But with a zeal and a purpose and a plan, just like God did for us, we're going to self-initiate, right? We're going to go first, and make that connection. So I want to think about who, because I'm on a Christmas mission. Good news, great joy. I'm going to think about who. I'm going to think about how. And the last thing I'm going to think about is where. Where. Are, are we going to... What, what if we connected with so-and-so, and we walked across the street, and we actually just invited them in, and we brought them to our home? 
What if we used our home? It's decorated anyways. It already smells like cinnamon, right? Or maybe we're going to go out to dinner. That's the where. Maybe it's the, it's the fraternity house party. That's the where. Whatever the where is. We put, uh, we put on your chairs, Ryan said it earlier, all these invitations to the Christmas program. So that's at the end of the month. Maybe that's a where. We're going to ask them to go to the Christmas program with us. Uh, we're going to fill in your blank. It doesn't matter what it is. It, matter, it matters that it is. So a real mission with a real person and a real plan that winds up in a real space. And we're looking and saying, you know what? We just want to affect people's punctuation. It, maybe they just move from a question mark to a period. They don't move to an exclamation point. That's okay. That's God's job. That's not our job. We're just on mission. We, we are the choir of angels now, the church of Jesus. We are bringing the good news of great joy. That there's a savior that's been born. Who, how, and where, okay? That's for the Christ follower. Now, if you're not a Christ follower yet and you're here, you're listening online and, and, and you haven't, you, you're still a, a question mark or a period maybe, the response for you would be very different because you don't have a mission yet. So you're kind of off the hook. Congratulations, right? So, so you're, you're not on that mission. So the question you're asking is, what do I do with? What do I do with this information now that I know, now that the question mark's been filled in a little bit, or now that I know like a period's kind of like a passive aggressive, you know, like I'm like, eh, I'm still this enemy of God category thing. Whether I threw it on the ground or I just put it in the closet, you know, what do I do with it? So the Bible would say this, the way that you move from a question mark or a period to an exclamation point is, here's the word, it's, let me explain it though, it's the word repent, it's the Bible word. And so to repent just means this, to repent means that I turn around, that's all it means, I turn around. So the Bible would say I would repent of my sin. I've been living outside of God's desire, I've been living as an enemy of God, whatever the spectrum is, I've been living as an enemy of God. And I'm going to repent. Instead of moving away from God, I'm going to repent. I'm going to move toward God. I'm going to receive the high-definition television. I'm going to receive the gift of Christmas. Ask God to forgive my sins. The Bible says he's faithful and he just. He will do that. It's a free gift of salvation. Right? And I receive what God's done. I ask for the forgiveness of my sin. And I place my life under his definition and his direction. I just quit living for me and I start living for him. And the way that you would interact with Christmas is you would, you would ask God for that. Don't worry about the words. God doesn't care what you say. He cares what you mean. So from your heart to God's heart, you're doing all this math saying, God, I'm in on that. I, I, want, I will receive your lavish love. I, I want to be adopted into the family. I want to be a son or a daughter of God. And that's the way that you, that, that's the intention of Christmas from God's side, that you would know that he loved you. You would know that his son is the sole place of salvation. You would know that he didn't come to condemn you, but to, to, to bring you to life, to rescue you from your sin. So if you're not a Christ follower, that's where you're at. That's how you change your punctuation. If you are a Christ follower, you're the explanation point and you are that wherever you go. You're on mission, a Christmas mission. And you're asking who, how, and where. 
how, God, do I affect people's punctuation, all right? Okay. I'm going to ask the band to come out, and uh, they're going to give us a little bit of headspace. And, and as they do that, I encourage you to pray. Ask those three questions. You'd be surprised how God will interact with you. So ask those three questions. Ask for a face, a name, a plan, right? Dig at it. And then if you need to repent of your sin, do that. Ask God to forgive you, to cleanse you, and to change you. And he will do that freely as well, okay? So let's be still for a little bit. Let's pray and spend this time with God, all right? Jesus, help us with this. We love you. Thank you for your goodness and graciousness to us that you were willing to be the Father's plan. And Heavenly Father, thank you for lavishing your love on us, for going all in, for zealously, passionately pursuing us and giving the best of yourself to us. God, help us to receive that properly, that it is good news, it is of great joy. And it, Lord, it if we're your followers, it continues to be that, and we proclaim it. And if we're not yet, God, help us to receive it. Press deep into our hearts, open our minds, even in these still moments. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen.